This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thursday, the 11th of August, 2022. I thought it was going to be 23 a minute. Uh, this evening's late night preview show, we are taking a look at Saturday, Saturday's fixture against the Swans uh, and also looking back against the shit show against Barrow as the pool were dumped out of the Carabao Cup at the first hurdle. And I'm John Aspinall, and this is the Seasiders Podcast. <gasps> Thursday night preview show, Blackpool versus Swansea. already changed the world. Uh, good evening, everybody. Welcome to a show on Thursday night preview show. Past the watershed, past the nine PM. Unmute Tim, so we can actually share swear officially. But Tim, uh, no, no C bombs. I think was the only prerequisite. There's no nappers around, is there? There's only one person allowed to C bomb on this show, and um, if we ever play Fleetwood again, which hopefully we never do, um, then then it'll be allowed, and it'll be a. Uh, It'll, you know, we'll be looking forward to it, won't we, Naps? I wonder if he's lurking around anywhere. Yeah, there was there was shock, horror. Sean, were you were you here when that happened? The, no, the I, wasn't. I was just a viewer. Were you even were you even part of the cool and the gang at the time when he did that? I don't think I was. I was on the outside on the uh, external walls of the Seaside yeah, podcast. I don't think you'd made it into like, the... you are, like you are with Club Gaz, just looking in long. <laughs> <laughs> you could be part of it. <laughs> On the periphery. Mm. Right, yeah, Friday night, no, Friday night, Thursday night preview show at 9pm. 9, 9 so thanks for everybody for joining us. In the comments, who we got on? Kelly. Kelly, what are you saying? No, RK talk, please. I've just stopped crying. R. Kelly, see what I did there? I think she means tricky dicky, doesn't she? Evening, Helen. See, since uh, evening, Gemma. Since Leanne came on, she's opened us up to a whole new female fan base. So welcome, ladies. Uh, welcome, Ray. How are you doing, Ray? Uh, welcome, Dave. 
Thanks for joining us. Uh, Steve's here as well. Right, Steve. Right, it'd be remiss to not talk about what we watched on Tuesday evening, Tim. You blamed me for your you going. Fault. Yeah. It's your fault. I was going out for a nice ride on my bike in what is, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, great weather that we've got this week. And John says... Do you not do you fancy, fancy going to the game? Do you fancy going to the game? And he he, he taught me round. I rallied the uh, troops. I rallied Nick as well. He was a bit. Mm. But you're you all thanking me for it now, aren't you? Let's go. Let's go and have a nice beer in that in the um, in the fan zone area in the north. <laughs> so we rock up there, and it's half a mile long there. Go around the west. Queue about half a mile long there. It was, um, it was, uh, Doug, John's going to have to get his Wi-Fi sorted. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I'm back. We what? were blaming the, we were blaming the, uh, the, uh, uh the, the, the software the provider, weren't we? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Yeah, so the, the fan zone was shut, wasn't it? Couldn't get a drink in the ground, two big queues, so put a bit of a dampener. I wasn't asked, wasn't drinking. Mitch, um, where were you sat for this game? Obviously, your regular seats was taken by the Barrow fans. Yeah, I was in Block D at the back, which, um, I mean, to be fair, you know, you, you, you nipped from Polton to watch the game. I came all the way from Lancaster to watch the game, so um, what a treat it was. Yeah, I was in the back of Block D, um, and I got in with about 10 minutes to go, so, I, I mean, to be fair, you, you'd never get a drink in the north anyway with 10 minutes to go, but I thought, oh, there's no one here. I'll go and get a bottle of water because it was quite hot, wasn't it? It was quite hot that night. And I'd I'd been trying to meet my mate from Barrow who'd come from the game. And we hadn't managed to meet meet up. You know, when you like walk to different places, people aren't there. So I've been walking all over. And I'd just walked down from... I need to pay me £10 so I can go go to the water lounge, don't I? (laughs) Tim, actually, if you're in Block D, you're 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 in prime spot for nipping into the Moretti. Yeah, well, I did notice Water that. Wow, longingly at the uh, at the the logo covered windows and and just tried to imagine the world where I could visualize myself inside it. Uh, there is a rumor flying around, Tim, that someone has got a season ticket for the Moretti Lounge. Can you confirm or deny? Oh, well, I did send you the picture of my season ticket, so uh, unfortunately I could do no more than confirm. Um, yeah, we've, uh, me and the, uh, the guys who I go to the game with, we've signed up. Um, and listen, I hear all the arguments about paying to go in somewhere, but I just, as we were saying off air before, for me and for the guys I'm with, most we've got no kids with us, so we haven't got that uh, issue to deal with. We've been there and all bought the T-shirt on that. Uh, and we all end up going to different pubs before the game, and, and this just means we can know we, we we know where we can go if we want to drink at half time. We might actually get one rather than spend the whole mm. lunch all, all the half time queuing up. And if and, you know, and like like uh, it's my birthday on Sunday, so on Saturday we're going to have a few beers beforehand, and then maybe watch the after the game afterwards up there before we tootle off into Polton or wherever it might be. So for us, it makes sense, and uh, if you do it for the season, it's. About six quid, paying fifteen quid for your season ticket. So for twenty-one quid, I think we most of it, we, we've sort of rationalised it that it's quite a good value overall. The overall package, the overall days, then what we want rather than where we're meeting and every turning up at, in dribs and drabs and 
I'm making it a bit of a so David, there's, really. There's no no more Bloomfield Club then. Uh, well, I was never a great fan of the Bloomfield Club anyway. I quite liked um, uh, that little bar on the corner opposite the Queens that um, that near my work, which is which, which is quite a nice pub. I do quite like going in there, to be fair. Um, Shickers, what Shickers is it? What mm. it's called? Um, that's all right. But I, I was not a fan of the Bloomfield Club, to be honest. Just personally, it's not my, not for me. Um, feels really busy all the time, so it's just one, we're, all, we're, actually, all, we're all 50 something, you see, so mm, or 60 something in the case of some. So, I, um, I can just, I, the one reason I can see the appeal is being able to drink your beer from a glass glass. Is that the case, yeah. do you think? I don't well, until we get in there, we don't know, but um, it, it to me, it's just it's just we're in the north, it's uh. We'd done the Heineken Lounge once last season. The lads did it for the last game because the, the Moretti wasn't open. I didn't because, to be honest, I want to be in the north. And um, So this is just just suits me. And for six quid a game, whatever it works out, I'll Fair enough. the bullet on it. But I, I get the arguments coming back the other way. But the flip side is, if you don't want to go up there, there'll be a few less people <laughs> queuing up <laughs> on the main concourse. <laughs> And I've got to say, and I think, you know, the, the fan zone takes some, pre- when it's open, takes some pressure off as well. Yeah, I, I might go, I might do the odd one or two. Um, yeah. I'm not going to do it. can me. just go in on on, on one-off yeah. basis as well. And I, I probably won't use it half the time, but it's, 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 well, it's, it's there. It's and, worth paying if you, if you want to drink at half time in it, which is pretty much impossible at the moment. Yeah, even, even those pre-order things, they've become... We have to queue up for fifteen minutes to pre-order one now. So, but I, was, I think I, th- I do think the the uh, you know the you know it's, it's about having a whole you know the, we, we've got the bottle bars there which are never open again now, which nope. I find frustrating. Where you could just, if you are it's, it, it, they've got such a small selling window, uh, and, and you know this is going back three years ago. It's about maximising it. And like Tuesday night when you know uh, Mitch wanted a, a water, me and Nick fancied a pint. I think you... Um, I wanted the water as well. I wanted the water, water yeah. That's what we wanted. We're just a small sample of all the people who are there. And how many people want this stuff? The markup's about 300%. It's about making sure you've got the staff there. And just because there's going to be a lower crowd doesn't mean you cut the, uh, uh, the, the refreshment provision down to, you know, bare bones so that nobody can get anything. The queues were longer on Tuesday night than they are on a Saturday. Bonkers and night games. People turn up who are straight from work, haven't eaten, they want a pie or whatever. Probably, if anything, the demand is higher on a, on a night game than it is on a Saturday game. I'd say. Well, one of the things as well, I saw a, a lad I know from work outside the ground. He's actually a United fan, and I said, oh, "All right, Dan, what are you doing here?" And he said, "Oh, I'm just sick of." He actually does go and watch United. He said, "Oh, I'm just sick of United. I'm sick of it. I'm just spending so much money. I'm like." spending all my time watching this crap team. I thought I'd come down to Blackpool, you know, watch my local team. I've not been down for ages, just see what it's about. And he sort of said, he says to me, as I said to him, I said, do you fancy a pint? I'm just walking to the Bloomfield. He says, no, no, I'm, I'm meeting someone. Can I get a pint inside? I said, yeah, yeah, you'll be all right. You can get a pint inside. And obviously he'll have gone in and then hit this huge queue and not been able to get a pint inside. So his first experience of stepping in Bloomfield for however long it is since he's been will be 
not being able to get a drink before the game, which isn't which isn't great, is it? And I, and I actually saw a few people who were like outside the turnstiles were like you know asking for direction with tickets and stuff because I think the fact that the the ten pound tickets had actually brought a few people down for the first time or for the first time in ages or whatever, and that's not a great first experience, really. But it's just the bottle bar thing is just weird, you know. Just staff that for. I used to always use the bottle bar yeah. religiously. I'd never, I would never actually I queue. Wouldn't. I'd always use the bottle bars. So I'd always I get, get that tangerine ale is quite nice. I don't know if anyone's had it. The yeah. seaside is ale. Sorry, I just go and get a can of that. It's just just enough. It's, you, I, I don't really want a pint at half time. You don't have enough time. I always used I mean, to get they one. May, they may have some staffing issues, um, but I, I, I don't think it's just that. You just stick somebody in there. They must shift. I don't know how many. If they don't shift fifty bottles at half time. Each one, and the markup on that is what do we charge? The more than, three quid. more than fifty, Tim. I reckon be a few more than that. So. Yeah, probably. Well, I say yeah. it's a hundred then. So yeah. the markup is uh, one pound fifty at least. So one hundred times. So they make one hundred and fifty quid minus the cost of staffing that bar on each one that they go around. And and, and, and listen, I think we're conservative when we say it's a hundred, but it just doesn't make any sense. Just, I find it even 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 in that fan zone. And, and listen, there may be some licensing restrictions, which is the only explanation. But why not have three bars in there, or why not put some of the bottle bars in there, so that people? Because you go in there, there's only still only one. Um, it was absolutely mobbed for Reading. There's still only one place to go and get served. Where if you had like loads of places dotted around where you could just go and get bottles. You'd, you'd yeah. sell three times as much. And particularly in this day and age with contactless payment as well, that speeds it up from what it used to be, if that makes sense. You don't even have to mess around cash or change or anything. You really literally should be blip, blip. I mean, I used to work in catering many years ago, and we used to, when we used to do weddings, we, you'd have, like, banks and banks of bottles. So, like, when there's points in weddings, like, when they finish the speeches and everyone goes to the bar, you'll get 300, 400 people going to the bar, and you're just trying to get as many bottles out to as many people as quickly as possible. And you can clear a, you can clear a huge bar pretty quickly if your yeah. staff are properly trained turning it over and you've got your payment points set up. It's it, it's not... I mean, I, and I, I, I've noticed that the... Now, this sounds proper shady, and I don't mean it to be, but the quality of the staff hasn't been amazing. There's obviously some staff who know what they're doing, and then there's agency staff. There was one lad when I was there. Every single order, he had to be kind of talked through by the girl who was also trying to sell yeah. somebody else. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's, I saw it's that. Not, you know, it's it's not conducive to getting that 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 turnover of of um, sales. Well, maybe you need to pay more. And get the right staffing because if yeah. you're paying national minimum wage, you, you're going to get lower levels of service, aren't you? If you just pay like two or three quid an hour more, you get proper staff, and then you actually yeah. get staffing who are productive. And I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but I just know it's an absolute shit show. At the it, it struck me that there'd been no training of certain staff. You know, again. I don't want to go on about catering because it's years since I've worked in it, but the, the the time you put in to train the staff in, in how the system actually works, if you try and train them on the job, they'll, it'll just be a disaster. Mm. Mm. Anyway, on to the... Anyway, Barrow. That was, I love how we've got was... this massive list of important things to talk about. <laughs> it, always, it always boils down now. to beer. It's on the fact that we couldn't get a pint. <laughs> All roads lead to not being able to get a pint in the ground. Yeah. 
Barrow. None of our kids in the starting lineup, Mitch. Um, to- tell me about that. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, if if anyone follows me on Twitter, is quite vocal about this. Um, look, I, I, I get why we have to loan Premier League players, and I get that Appleton's building a side, and I get that he's playing a new system, and I get that we've got new players, but I also think that what I've seen of of our young players, particularly Rob Apter, I mean, I'm talking about Apter mainly, is he looks like a player that is, you know, I, I don't know if he's ready to play, I don't think he's ready to play regular championship football, but but he looks like he's ready to play against Barrow. He looks like he's he's ready for, for a bit of a test. Um, he's played in pre-season, he's done well, he's got decent reviews from people, um, and... I just wanted to see a bit of a risk. I wanted to be excited about the lineup. I wanted to I wanted to look at this lad and think, you know, he played 18 months ago and I was really, really hoping it was going to see Rob Apter. And then we got there and there's no sign of any of the kids in the squad. And I probably was a bit melodramatic about it on Twitter saying, well, what's the point of the development squad, which is, which is a bit melodramatic. But it just feels a bit like, well, we've got four lone players in that squad, you know, and... Essentially, the benefit of that lineup ultimately is going to go to Wolves, um, Arsenal, uh, Manchester City, and if Williams comes on Liverpool and our own kids, well, wh- when are they going to get a go? When are, when are they going to get tested? If they're not, if they're not going to get a game against Barrow at home, when are they going to? They're not, are they? Yeah, exactly. And and, and I'm, I mean, I'm all for, you know, don't throw kids in who aren't ready. But to me, Apta just looks ready. He looks, you know, he didn't look any different from the from the, from the actual squad players in pre-season. Um, it, it, against decent opposition, he, 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 looked, he, he looked good physically. I know he's little, but physically he looked ready. He, he, he interplay, you know, he showed confidence with the rest of the team. He, he was, he, he had his head up, he was vocal. And I think, well, what has that lad got? to do he played league football 18 months ago and since then he's got exactly zero chances um and i'll come on to the game but i just felt like chuck a kid in you get that energy you get somebody who really really wants to prove themselves you get somebody's going to bring a bit of raw tempo and rhythm and desire to the game and and that's not how the game started but you know we'll get on to that i think with the, the thing that i'd say about that is that rob up to should have been there on merit ahead of CJ Hamilton. Not, yeah. not even the the basis of you know throw a kid in. Let's give him some experience. Rob Apter has a higher ceiling than CJ Hamilton. And CJ Hamilton's done nothing in months to prove that he's anywhere near the Blackpool first team or good enough to be in the Blackpool first team at any level. So Rob Apter should have been nailed on for that position for me. And then I think obviously the disappointment generally is okay. Fair enough, you play a, a relatively strong first side because you want to get the win if that's what you wanted to do, but. To not have any on the bench was a was a real disappointment for me as well. And I just I'll, I'll move on because we've got a lot to talk about. But I just it baffles me why after they've been in in the club for two years we're at the stage where we're quote having a look at Bezlabala and CJ Hamilton. Like, why are we having a look at these players? We know exactly what they do, exactly who they yeah. are, what their records are, and. We apparently have this system that you know that, that, that there's this there's a there's a back room beyond the immediate um, coaching staff. D- 
could nobody have, have pointed out who these players are, you know, and, 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 and apt as a player, well, we might learn something, but we're not going to learn anything about CJ and Bez. They're in the mid-20s, well, they're older than in the mid-20s, you know, they, they are what they are. They've done their development. Tim, anything to add before we move on to the game? Um, I think I think when I looked at that lineup, I was a quite surprised how str- how strong it looked on paper, at least, um, which suggested to me that Appleton was desperate. I think it's sort of mentioned in the chat a little bit. Um, I think Appleton was after Stoke very keen on getting a result, um, and and it was it was also the lack of the lack of any development player um, that I found quite surprising. It was, you know, if you look at the subs bench, it's, it's extremely strong. Uh, and um, yeah, it just, I, I was, I was, I was surprised and, and I, was, I was particularly surprised. I wasn't surprised with Slavery starting. I was quite surprised that Hamilton did. And I was quite surprised that Dom Thompson did. I thought, I thought, I've got to say, I agree with Mitch. I thought Acton would have started this game and possibly more right back. Because um, if, if you're going to go out, um, then at least give these lads a run. But actually, I, I looked at that team and I thought, Appleton, I was, I, in some respects I was pleased because I'm sick of us like just chucking the cups away completely and, and not having a good fist of it. And I actually did think he, he's, he wants to win the game. So... I can see both sides of the argument, but I don't understand why none of these young lads are actually on the subs bench. Um, you know, and we and then we and then we name Yates and Bowler and don't even bring him on the pitch. So what's the point in naming them in the first place? Because yeah. you know, oh, we, yeah. well, we actually yeah. needed them in the last yeah. fifteen minutes, and I think if we'd put them on with fifteen minutes to go, I think we'd have probably won the game um, without going through the nonsense that came afterwards. So. Um, yeah, it was. I, I can see what Appleton wanted. That's what I think. That's what I, I I took out of seeing that squad, and I actually thought we we're going to see a good performance. Oh, how wrong you were! Uh, just like I was wrong about getting a beer in the ground, and just like I was wrong about not going out on my bike. <laughs> wrong about going to the fan zone. You are, like you are marching us. You are marching us round, Tim, weren't you? I, was, I don't know what to do. Come and look at this. Come look Come at this. Great. I was like, God, where's he taking us here? <laughs> <laughs> Me and Eddie got to watch uh, the the, the, the warm up though, so that was pretty good. Watching the players. So Nick smashing the ball. Oh yeah, you did as well. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. That I just recommend it if anyone's not drinking pre-match. Just go and watch them on the warm ups and watch them. Smashing balls into the net. It's, it's a, you can really see that the professional footballers when you're doing that. Right, um, first half, Sean. Talk to me. Talk to me from um, the expertise emanating out of the press box. A nice, well balanced view. <laughs> um, it, it was woeful. It was really, really poor, really passive. I mean, Michael Appleton will have you think otherwise from his comments afterwards, which is another story, but it was it was passive. There was no response from Stoke in the first half. It was going through the motions. We were taking the safe option with passes. We were slack on the ball. 
we had no quality going into the final third. We never looked like we were going to break down the Barrow defence, who were pretty content with just sitting back. Why wouldn't you be against a team like that? It's run-of-the-mill stuff. It's it's what we think Swansea were last season, essentially, in the first half. Is what we were doing, taking no-risky options, playing no-risky passes, just simply playing the ball and hoping that eventually like they'll make a mistake or... You know, there was no there was no one that picked up the ball and you thought this this person's gonna do something. The, I mean Theo Corbin who's falling over the ball, C Jarmanton can't control the ball, fell over the ball, Tackle. fell over his own feet. It's just it's just ridiculous to watch. There was a there was a look, I d I don't like going at C Jarmanton anymore because we've said our piece on him and he just shouldn't be playing for us and it's why managers keep selecting him is beyond me at this point. He's void of confidence. Um but I mean, I just, I just burst out laughing at one point because I thought, why are we still watching this? Why are we still watching this now? It's so obvious that it's not good enough. Um, it was, it was really poor, and it worried me that first half, mainly because obviously Appleton said that we were fine from box to box, so it was okay essentially, and that that's what he wants to see. And apparently, that was a, a bit of a trend of the, the final season at Lincoln, which is a concern because I don't want a manager that's. You know, possession for possession's sake, it's possession with a purpose, so there's no point. I don't want Russell Martin in charge of the football club. Um, else we're going nowhere. Um, I don't think he's like that, which is why, it's a, to be honest, his comment surprised me, if I'm being honest. I thought he'd have been pissed off with it because we needed more aggression in the final third. But, yeah, it wasn't great. And I think, obviously, the worry is that no one, well, a couple of players, particularly Jordan Thornley, um, stepped up to the plate. But apart from that, I wouldn't have picked out anyone that I went, this person's nailed on to start on Saturday. And that's a real concern because at this point, that's why as well, I think he also come, up, come out about the fact that all these other teams had lost, championship teams had lost to lower division. I think there was more importance on this game for us than the vast majority of those. It's a new manager in charge. It's the last chance for a lot of players to impress him, to be able to part of the squad this season and none of them did it. And it's it is a concern because we are a long, long, long way off this working. Tim, it was quite a strong lineup as we were discussing as we were crossing over uh, St Anne's Road from Bloomfield. Road, saying, "Oh, he's having a he's a he's, he obviously, as you've said before, wants to go far in this tournament." And as Sean's just said, there it was it was just an, it was a woeful first half display, absolutely terrible and. I'm worried as well now, just as Sean's said there. Yeah, well, obviously, it it falls on from Stoke as well, doesn't it? Um, What I would say is that whatever Appleton said post-match and, um, uh, you know, uh, whether anybody got the hairdryer treatment in the change rooms, uh, well, no doubt after staying in the changing room, but his body language on the sideline as that half developed in the first half was actually quite amusing to watch because... He was. He looked like he was about to chew a wasp. He, he really did. He did not look impressed. He did not look happy. Um, and I don't know anybody else did. I, I, anybody on Twitter, no doubt, who follows things going on will, will have seen it. But some guy who's, who's clearly Patino's fan, fan club organiser put together a, a montage of all these, all these touches, effectively, or, or positive touches in the game. And when you when you watch it, because it is obviously edited, and, and they are his positive touches, not his negative touches. But the number of times you see CJ Hamilton just miscontrol cro- the, the crossfield ball from Patino, from Patino. it was a brilliant <laughs> crossfield pass, wasn't it? 
And all, and all the comments from the Arsenal fans, because obviously they're, they're like loving Patino. And and to be fair, and we'll go to, I don't think he was anywhere near man of the match. But um, uh, but obviously he's done a few decent. He's had a few decent touches, albeit I don't think he's pushed the way he could. And and um, but they all say, "Geez, you know, like who's he playing with? They can't trap a bag of cement." And and that, the comments just full of that. And I was reading it, thinking. Actually, watching that, I would post that. I yeah. would say that. I'd say, well, I'd say one, bring him back. One particularly, one particularly brilliant one where a guy just goes, that number 22, he's all on his pace and nothing else. He's got no touch. And then there's a load of Blackpool fans going, wow, you've watched CJ Hamilton for 10 seconds and you've absolutely nailed it. He's <laughs> brilliant. Mitch, have you got anything to add that's not already been said about the first half before we move on to the um, second? I, I think that not really. I mean, I just think that, that uh, every time there was a little pattern of play developed, what would happen? It just looked really disjointed. It looked quite, it looked very static and it looked quite disjointed. And every time we put a little pattern of play together, one of the players would go on some kind of like pointless little glory run and then get tackled. And that was kind of frustrating me was how uncohesive it was. And the, I, I thought Thornley played well. I and mean, we've covered Thornley not being liked by football managers for no apparent reason before. And the only other player I really felt anything for was I just like, I liked, I, because I obviously wasn't at Stokes on holiday, I liked Thompson, which was the first time I'd seen him. But even he managed to not be able to take a throw in and throw it backwards <laughs> um, into the stand, which was, you know, which wasn't a great touch. But I just, I just liked, he looked to have a bit of verve to him and a bit of energy. Um, and there was one point where... What was that for? Verve. Okay. Um, yeah, it looks to have a bit of, um, a bit of something about him. And there was one point that where I really liked him, where Connolly was getting absolutely roasted on the right, and Thompson came all the way over from the other fullback and just absolutely smack. It was a great tackle. So my first impressions of him was I quite like him. I don't think he's the world's greatest footballer, but he, he looks like he's got a bit of heart about him. But Con- uh, Thompson and Thornley, and when you're playing against Barrow and you're centre-back and you're left-back, the only players who stand out in any positive way, that's not a great sign and I also just found it surreal at one point I, I just it was really weird because I again I've been away so I haven't been there for all the Patino stuff and it was so weird because the whole ground's chatting for Patino and there was one point where he actually passed the ball into an advertising audience and everyone stood up and clapped and I was thinking but that was shit yeah. what are you clapping for I mean to be fair but he was alright you know but it was just I actually I, I, I said to Tim I actually forgot he was playing at one point. Yeah. That was quite anonymous, personally. Yeah. Sean, second half was... I think the highlight for me was the reintroduction of Jimmy Husband, um, a class act when he came on at left-back. Yeah, I think him and and Gabriel, the energy they showed to say that they've just come back and they've had no pre-season was... In fact, I think Husband probably showed more of that than, than Gabriel did. He really put himself about and he got himself forward and he was aggressive and that was... That was good to see because obviously, as much as we've been crying out for a right back, we have zero cover at left back until husband came back as well, which is just as important, especially with how much Thompson runs himself into the ground every week. Um, but I don't know what to make of this second half personally because I know that obviously we, we did create chances, we did open up chances, but it was just that thing that, I mean, how long have we been going on about the lack of quality in the final third now? It's like, 
Critchley was talking about in January. Like, it's just a consistent theme that we keep talking about. And it's the same and same again every time. And I mean, realistically, we should have probably scored in, in that 90 minutes. But the tempo rose when the likes of Carey, I was really impressed with Carey. I thought Carey's drive was very good and I was surprised he didn't start. I thought it was a really good opportunity to build some confidence into him. Um, because essentially what he played is what I would have probably outlined as the midfield three that we're playing at Swansea. Now I'm not so sure on that, and I think potentially Carey might come in for Fiorini potentially. But um, yeah, he, his drive and Labala again, he, he he does have that drive about him, and you know he, he gets himself about, and I think sometimes he gives away a lot of silly fouls and stuff. But you know that energy kind of drove us on a bit more, and obviously Barrow were backing off more and more and fancied their chances. I think the fact it goes straight to penalties probably gives these lower league side more of a Shop, tendency shop. to just sit back and just do it for the 90 minutes because they know that they've got that. They don't have an extra 30 minutes of extra time afterwards. And I think that probably has an eye on, on their decision-making and how they approach a game. But it just wasn't great. It just it, it all just wasn't great. And it's, it's the same consistent themes because ultimately we can say we played well and we created chances in that second half, but we haven't scored against Barrow. And we're going into the championship season now and it's it's just not good enough Tim when uh, when penalties came around um, we weren't none of us were confident were we I um, yeah I think do we, we did beat West Brom once on penalties didn't we in the FA Cup but we, we, are, we haven't got um, what I'd consider a pedigree uh, when it comes to penalty shootouts and um, I think we both said didn't we at the time we're going to lose this and 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 um, we we had various chances not to lose it, but the the, the net result was, um, I think, to be fair, Conley came up with the first one. I actually thought the keeper, I've not watched them back, but my initial pressure was the keeper had done quite well with that one. Mm, that's a good save. save. Yeah. And, uh, and and then and then by Hooker, by Crook later on, I don't know how we, presumably not going to analyse all of them, by Hooker, by Crook, when we missed the last one, Lavery. We get a second bag to the cherry and 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 redeem ourselves. And then Ferrini sets up and shows his Premier League quality by um replicating Chris Waddle uh, or being vertically uh, the Bamba penalty from nineteen ninety one. No, it was nothing like the Bamba penalty. Come on, it was well, over no, it was the bar. Just far away from the goal. <laughs> More like Chris Waddle. Yeah, no, no. It was. I said it was vertical okay, version of yeah, the Bamba yeah. penalty. I did say that. So as in, it was absolutely nowhere near. It was. It was actually Ray Russell Coughlin when he yeah, hit that's it. Yeah, that's super, a better one. Yeah, the supermarket behind uh, Bolton's away end. For those of a certain vintage. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was like a, a disaster, wasn't it? And I've got to say, and, and listen, keepers normally get a get a. Uh, um, get go away scot free on these things. Maxwell doing his hair, Tim. Don't forget Maxwell about that. Was doing it. Listen, he had, he had his windows. He had a so like, he, he had a so fielding haircut. Yeah. So he's the the the, the, the Barrow player. I can't remember what it was. Was cool to penalty. And as he's running up, yep. he's, he's he's taking the uh, he's, he's he's messing with his hair. And and if you notice the Barrow keeper, and obviously he got pulled for coming off the line a few times. He's making himself big, trying to put us off, walking out and, and messing around. Maxwell's standing behind his line, just waiting for the, the, the penalty to come. 
almost like he was going through the motions. The barrel lad was like, thought he was Bruce Groblar from 84, you know. In, again, in for the, again, for those of a certain vintage. It's another one, another one. So, um, but uh, they wanted to win it. They wanted to win the game and we got to penalties. And I think we looked like we was, it doesn't really matter. Uh, now, whether, whether there's some attitudes in there that, that, you know, don't want to be here, don't want to, um, uh, you know, uh, make, make, you know, ensure we win all the games. I don't know, but we didn't look, went to those penalties, there was only one team going to win it for me. I said to, go on, Mitch, go on. I was going to say, I think what, what Tim said there about attitude and what Sean said and, and what I'd said earlier about um, Thompson, and it, it's like, I get that we're transitioning style. I get that, we're, you know, we're changing formation, we're transitioning style, and, and I get that that's part of it. But also, words like energy, and an attitude keep coming up and we're picking out that players sort of did quite well because they looked like they were you know they looked like they had a go you know this is not a very high bar is it for this game um and and, and that's what's concerning and i mean I, it just looked like they weren't really enjoying it and and the thing that i found quite sad was i mean i know the season trailed off under critch i know the last few games under critch weren't great but there was always, for the last couple of years, we got really used to seeing this like unit of players that were sort of really quite tight knit. You know, like it's only sort of April when I was watching a game where at kickoff they all went round and they, they literally were hugging each other and you know clapping and cut. And it was this really really tight knit unit, and there was absolutely none of that. They didn't they didn't seem to be really urging each other on. They didn't seem to be really talking to each other. It was noticeable when Jimmy came on. He was kind of, he was really geeing him up and he looked really pissed off at the end. And some of the other players just kind of like, oh, that happened and off they went. And I'm, I'm not saying that they didn't try and I'm not necessarily saying that they, they want to leave the club, but it just didn't look like they were, they were enjoying it, that, that being part of that group was, was, was you know, meant Husband looked really, really pissed off with Fury in his penalty. I've got to say, I could as he was walking off, he looked like he was commenting about and saying, "How the hell can you not hit a goal?" I mean, it wasn't he didn't just miss it; he ballooned it. But we have we have overlooked the highlight though of the penalty shootout, which was War Jimmy Husband's uh, stutter penalty. Yes, I was just about to which imagine. was the least Jimmy Husband thing you could possibly imagine. Um, Kieran Glover's just in the comments. I think we lack leaders in the squad. There's certainly I just no. Think we lack quality in the and, squad and that. Yeah, that's that's the be all and end all. You do for me. I'd, obviously, I always say about this sort of, but I, I'm less about these sort of intangible things and more like ultimately we've we've got a squad of players that are suited to playing off the ball, car attacking style in a four four two, and we're trying to play possession based attacking four three three, and literally there's. I could I can't on one hand how many players are probably actually fit for that system. So it's a long road ahead, but it's quality that will that will make the difference. We all know what it's like at some point in life, whether it's in your work or whatever, but if you're asked to do something that you that you know or you feel is beyond you, that can be really demoralizing. And I you know, I wonder how much that is is part of what why the players don't look like they're enjoying it is that you know deep down a lot of those players will know their own level and they'll know that they're not going to be able to play man city football you know they're not stupid and some of the older players have have 
you know, they've had success playing a certain way. They're probably very grateful for the success they've had. Some of them have been propelled to a higher level than maybe they, they thought they would do or realistically believe they could get to. And then, you know, then being asked to, to stop playing that way and start playing a new way that you know that you, you're going to, you know, Come on, again, as Sean said, let's not dig into CJ for the sake of it, but CJ in a quick-moving, short, first-time passing team, that's just never going to happen. And he must he must know that himself, you know? I think as well, like you, you, you're saying there, I think the important point to make is that when there is a real transition of style and a structure at a football club, it's because it's been going wrong and it's been going right for us. And I think that's mm. also a lot more difficult for a new manager to come in and go yes those things have been going right but we're going to completely revamp this now um i think there was like a general sort of understanding within the club this summer that they would have to transition a style to become more possession heavy to be able to sort of hold on to these leads late late into games by all accounts but that's if critchley was going to be the manager as well but it, it does seem like it's a it's a long road ahead but even more so when you've got players in there that are going, well, we've done it this way and it's not done us any harm. So you've got to really get them to buy into it, probably more so than a team that have been struggling. Yeah, I mean, again, you can imagine some of the figures in the dressing room literally asking the question, why? And it being quite a powerful question. You know, we, we, you know, why are we doing it this way? Because we did it that way and this is where we've, you know, why, have you, why are you coming in from League One telling us, what to do, where we have to do it all differently because this is how we do it. And you can imagine that being quite a powerful question within that dressing room. And, and you know, I mean, this is all supposition, isn't it? And we've no idea. They might all be singing, we love Michael Appleton. And, right. I, think, I, you think, I think you're on a hat-trick now. Tim. Hello. He's Hello. taking you to school. Oh, that's what <laughs> I'm very on fire now. I've got no chance. <laughs> Two on. Two on. Instant, response. Instant response. Right, let's move on that to Swansea. Tom's just said in the chat, we've got no quality, and he's also said um, Swansea are going to eat us alive. I like the new Tom. He's, 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 he's really angry, isn't he? <laughs> I've, always, I've always got him as like this real mild-mannered, gently spoken. A bit like Connor, you know, a little bit cook. No, and then he's 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 got he's, he's found he's his teeth. He's turned into Bison's, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the man with no name. Um, Swansea away, then, gentlemen. At home. At home. Sean, give us your give us your thoughts on how you think this is going to go. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, a, I'm not looking forward to seeing Swansea. Passing the ball around in their own third for eighty minutes and B. Well, that's what we're gonna do. Well, we are, yeah. And B, I think they're gonna be better at it than us, and I think they're gonna win the game reasonably comfortably. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be a real difference in approach, I think, for us. I think to be honest, to an extent it obviously in terms of our off the ball work, we're not really a pressing side under Appleton and we didn't press against Swansea when we were under Neil Critchley, so in that sense it probably suits us a bit more off the ball, but on the ball it's about discipline, it's about concentration because Swansea are going to just going to consistently keep playing about with the ball. They have, I think, Russell Martin's main point after the the sort of poor start they've had is more aggression and more intent in the final third, which, I mean, we could basically mirror ourselves after the, the Stoke and the, the Barrow game. So, 
it just seems like it's all going to fade into a, a a box-to-box battle and then no one having a shot at goal if, if you're looking at it beforehand. But also because it's about that discipline and concentration and if you allow that space to open up, they'll just thread a ball through, especially Swans with the quality they've got in midfield. The defence don't look particularly stable for us. They don't look particularly stable for Swansea. It could be either or, on it? But I, I'm not looking forward to it particularly um, because they've got some really quality ball players in there. That could The minute is a bit of a space, they could thread it through and you've got the quality up top to be able to do something about it. Whereas perhaps if we get that individual moment, we'll probably fluff our lines at this point. Tim, your thoughts on the Swansea game? Uh, one, one thing quite a few people have been saying is that the the feel-good factor around the, the club and the ground has gone. Is this going to be a game where we get it back? Um, I, I, it's, I don't think I feel going to this game that I've got confidence that we, we're going to turn up a, turn up and swashbuckle our way to a, a victory. I think if if we do win the game, it will be it'll be tight. It will be dirty. It will be um, uh, it, it won't it won't be pretty to watch. I don't think. Um, I do find myself slightly bemused by some of the, the selections that that Appleton's making, and sometimes you put that down to the fact it's a new manager. But hopefully, um, the right selections will be made on Saturday, which will give us the best chance of doing it. If not, I could find myself spending longer in the Moretti bar than I perhaps originally intended. <laughs> At least I've got that option. If, ever, if anyone's wondering <laughs> what's the positive side, if anyone's wondering what they're seeing on the screen now, this is uh, Mexico versus Portugal that was famously highlighted on the Simpsons. Uh, just two, three players just passing the ball in their own half, back and forth constantly. And I think this is what the game's going to be like. Mitch. Do you remember that game? Do you remember that game when Swansea had loads of possession against us and did? And it was last home game, wasn't it? And and they did yeah. fuck all with it, and we ended up winning. We we had we I think we had something. Sean will have the actual stat, no doubt. But I think in the first half we had sixty seven percent possession. But it it means nothing unless you do with something with it. Oh yeah, it? look it at the team in green there. Look at them. absolutely I mean, nothing. Russell Martin had a little cry after the, yeah, the Blackburn yeah. game recently. Um, obviously, he had it then, but against the Blackburn recently, Blackburn did a number on them, and just like we did exactly the same setup as last time. But Blackburn have got the quality where they counter attack, they can play it to a Brereton Diaz or a player like that, and they've just completely sucker punched them three times. And I just worry that if we do, even if we are completely disciplined and you know stick to our to, to what we know defensively. And we are quite stable in the game. It's do we have that quality to to break away and break them down and then score that goal at that moment? I'm not too sure. No, I think no, we, no we don't. Set, you know, we, I feel like we're probably a bit more of a threat from set pieces at the moment than perhaps we have been recently. But um, I, I don't know. I really am struggling to motivate myself to be positive about it at the moment, just generally. But you know, it this is the the system. This is the way we're going to go. Um, we'll soon get a quick test of if the players have the ability to for 90 minutes against a side that just aren't going to allow you to have the ball, whether they've got that concentration off out of possession, perhaps then we know that we've been quite slack in it. Mitch, finally Swansea, your hopes and dreams for this game. 
Um, versus the reality well, of what's going to happen. I've seen I've seen us play against Russell Martin teams four times now, and each time they've been abysmal games. So you know, I'm not looking forward to it. I, I always go back to that one that game we beat them at home. Well, it wasn't then; it was MK Dons when he was there, and it was one of Critchy's first wins. If not, no, it was his second win. I think it was, and it was a horrendous game. And I actually, it's the one time in a long, long time where I actually felt pissed off when we'd won because I felt like the the game was some kind of assault on the idea of what football should be because it was just square passing, back and forth, square passing, back and forth, go back. There was no adventure. There was no imagination from either side. And I think I think in that game, Sully nipped in and, and got a goal with sort of one of two shots. And it was horrific. It was one of my least favourite games of football ever. So I think you can tell I'm not that excited about about watching it, um, and I I just echo what everybody else has said. I I don't see how we score unless one of the players that we don't really know about, so one of the newer lads, does something that we haven't yet seen is in their locker. If that makes sense, it won't be Corbin. It won't be Corbin based on his performance on. Tuesday night. I'll oh, come, God. I'm convinced. I, I thought I, I'm going to say slightly. I thought he did. I thought. Well, he didn't do okay. I didn't. I didn't think he was awful, massively effective. But I thought he looked like. I thought he grew into it a little bit. I, I, and I thought he did sort of play with a bit of intent in the way that Fiorini and. Maybe to a lesser extent, Patino. Patino looked quite raw, and, and I'm not going to get on Patino's back. He looked quite raw, but he looked like he was really trying to do things that, that perhaps other players weren't reading or weren't able to, to manage. Fiorini looked as if he was trying to glide around the game without really being able to glide around the game. I thought Corbino actually did try and drive into the box, and he did have a couple of efforts I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't. I mean, again, I, I've, I've not seen him before, so I'm, I'm maybe behind in terms of judgment. Um, he could beat know. a drum, could he? Never mind a player. Well, when I looked at his stats, and this is this is really reductive analysis. Oh, there it is. There's the hat trick. I did that one on purpose. I've got to admit. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I looked at his stats, I was struck by how numerically similar to CJ Hamilton he is in terms of his basic numbers. Like, you know, he sort of runs quite quickly away from people, doesn't necessarily beat people, doesn't actually assist many or score many in the same way that, that CJ does. And he's one of those players that looks like a theoretical weapon, you know? And I think I think managers look at CJ and go, yeah, he's really quick. He'll be theoretically good. And I, and, and I, I am slightly worried that Corbino is, the, is that same player. But I don't know. I don't want to judge him. And, and I thought, I thought he did. I think he did all right. So in conclusion, I'm not looking forward to the game. No Gary, no goals. Um, who was it? Who said, was it Neil said, oh, oh, "Do we need to go four four two to win the game?" Yes, we do, Neil. But I don't think it's gonna. No, I don't think it's gonna happen. No, we, Sean, yeah, let's, let's bring you in on this. The minute we've changed formation, we might as well sack off the whole thing um, and get a new manager. That's my take on it. Um, you're either all bought into it or you're not. You've got to go 100 percent on it now. We're in for it, and if it all goes to shit, it goes to shit. But I just don't think 
compromising on the whole ethos of what the manager that we've brought in is about makes any sense because you might as well have just hired a different manager which is another point entirely I'm starting to think you know who knows but we'll see is that your version of we're stuck with him (laughs) that is my version of we're stuck with him but I do have faith that you know if we get the right players in and we give it time it probably will come good but whether it comes good enough to come soon enough this season I'm, I'm getting less and less convinced. Right, round the room then. We haven't got time to pick the team because we're nearly on an hour. We said we'd do this in 50 minutes. Um, Tim, give us a prediction. Um, can can we do one team thing, John? I don't want to jump in, but who the hell's playing up front? I'm really intrigued to who's playing well, up front. Forget the rest Medine, of the team. But... Medine, obviously, we'll find out the team news tomorrow, but Medine should be back tomorrow. Um, sorry for Saturday, by all accounts. So, all right, um, we're going to win. So he, he was just—he was—he had a little bit of a struggle with this kick on the shin that he got. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we'll see. I think he might play Yates in the nine because he. But then I thought last time when he kept going on about how good Dougal's been that he was going to play Dougal and then he didn't. So perhaps he might not. But I think he'll go Corbinu, Yates, and and Bowler. But we'll see. Yeah, sorry, John. I was just, I was just proper intrigued because I thought Gaz was out, and then I was like, "Well, who the hell is he going to play up front?" Because he he doesn't appear to like any of the other strikers. But if Gaz is playing, then Tim. Um, I, well, I, I think I think Yates should play there. Um, I think he he. I, I was so surprised he didn't come on against Swansea. To be honest, I think. Um, I think if him and and Bowl had come on, then Appleton would have had the win he was looking for, and I just don't get it. Why name him if you're not going to put him on? But I think I think they'll obviously they're both going to start, and I do like the way that Bowler and um, and, and and Yates interact. Um, so if Medine isn't fit, eligible to play, whatever, then I, I see that being the the forward line and. Uh, left hand side is probably up for grabs a little bit. I think. Should we, should we do the team quickly then? Should we do it? Yeah, go on. Go on yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, quickly. Let's get it up. Oh, don't start lagging, computer. Right. Let's get this bit bigger. So, Chris Maxwell obviously in there based on his heroics against Barrow. <laughs> <laughs> Needs a hairband. Borrow bowlers out next time. Borrow bowlers Alice band. Obviously, he said um, that Gabriel and husband, the medical team, said for them to have thirty minutes against Barrow, and then you think now that they'd probably be able to step up to an hour, judging by how well they did. So, potentially, you could start both of them. Grimmy's going in though, isn't he? Do you not think that? Um, I thought Gabriel looked a bit raw pace. He does yeah. tend to, though, I think, when he comes back a little bit. Because he's, he's such a Overexcited schoolboy. Yeah, he is. He is quite keen to put himself about. I, Sometimes he's a bit naive. I was quite pleased to see that, though, that like he'd been out injured and he's obviously had a couple of injuries now and his first thing was just straight into a, into a proper yeah, job. Yeah, 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 which is, which yeah, is nice. Isn't it? He's going in then, isn't he? Let's... I, yeah. I'm, I'm taking yeah, him. Yeah. I really don't want to see Connolly there. I, it's not right for him. It's, it's not doing him any good. He got, he got done by a Barrow winger, which is not a good sign. I'd rather see Connolly as the number six, Sean. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually in the. 
I might be in the Kenny train, you know. I might have joined the club that perhaps I think he might have earned that place. I, th- I, th- I think I think Leanne's, Leanne's, Leanne talked me round with Dougal. I talked I talk Leanne round. No, you talked Leanne round, but I said she's talked me round. And I think Connolly's better in that position. And I think he's he's got a bit more dynamics. had a couple of good games, really good games, I thought. Basically, you know that if you've if you've exiled yourself from Club Gaz, then you just have to go to Club Kenny instead. That's that's the way it is, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, let's we get a bit ahead of ourselves there. Right, this, uh, the the centre half pairing will be interesting. Marv's got to be one. We don't need to debate that. Mm, Do I don't we? know. I don't know. He's been very shaky. Yeah, but he's he's quality. Yeah, yeah no, I think I think Marv should play. I think, I think that, I think my point is. The fact that if you if you're playing it based off form, if we're gonna then make a, a thing of well, Thornley should play. I think Marvin should drop out over Williams because I think Williams has been the best centre half that we've had this season on form. But obviously, we know that there's more to it than that longer term. Has yeah, has Marvin has Marvin actually? Oh no, yes. <laughs> Literally just watched him play with Thornley because they have Marvin play with yeah. Thornley. Yes, he did. I think Thornley deserves to stay in based on his performance, and well, I just think really he's well, really well. That's the point, I suppose. Yeah, it's ours. It, right, it we'll put him in then. Let's put him in then. Yeah, it's, it's our team, and it? it's not guessing. Yeah, it's our team. Yeah, it's our team. Marv. I'll give you a shout for Thornley. I'm, I'm playing in. Marv. I'm sorry, yeah. I am. Yeah, I'm um, playing Marv for the next five games, even if he's shite, because he's if yeah, if he's he, got to learn it. If, you, if yeah. you play him into form, and if he learns yeah. the system, then look. I mean, look at when he first turned up, and he was he was all over the place, and it took him five, six, seven games, and then he was superb. Maybe it took, it, it took him getting a proper centre back partner in in Kiel. Yeah. So like, yeah, let's quickly talk about Kiel. Obviously, tricky dickies. No more that shirt will no Put longer it. be. No longer be on there. Um, he's, he has got two years left of him, but I, I think I think a he's I don't know if he's from that area, but I know he started at Ipswich and doesn't his best mate now coach there? So I yeah, can, his family's in Essex and he wanted to move back. Is is what so I think got, is the, know, the reason. Listen, if your so. family's in Essex, you don't want to be up in Blackpool long term, do you? No. Well, plus plus we're getting a fee for him as well, which I was surprised with, which is pretty good, really, isn't it? It's a it's a win win. It was. I mean, I think, well, I think lost a couple. Of, the loss to the team is massive. Well, yeah, let's let's quickly discuss um, Richard Keogh going because it's not just his attributes as a player. It's his attributes as a captain and a leader and an organiser, which can be hard to replicate. And social media joker as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's all part of the team spirit, isn't it? It's all part of the it's, what I mean, makes a club tick and what, what creates yeah, that atmosphere. It's also we can talk about sort of things like fan engagement. I mean, frankly, I don't really care what the what the board say say to me, or you know whether there's dancing girls when you go in the ground or whatever. I don't I don't give a toss about that. My my fan engagement is with players who you know who who try really hard and look like they give a toss. And Keo was just brilliant for that. You know, he he, he was he was ultimately he was worshipped because the lad absolutely put his body on the line every game and he was so intense the way he played. He was so intense. He, he lived every minute of every football match. Absolutely. He was eccentric in the way he was so focused and so intense. And and, and when when we scored, the lad looked like his, you know, he looked like his head was going to fall off. He, he, he would celebrate that much. And I think you can you can talk about 
so many different aspects of a football club and, you know, like it's some kind of long read in the broadsheets about, about modern football. But ultimately, as a football fan, I'm happy if I go and see players absolutely graft their arse off. And Keo did that week in, week out. And I think that's what I'll miss about him, is somebody who just looked like he appreciated being on a football pitch, appreciated the fans. And, you know, ultimately, it can't be easy for a 36-year-old bloke with kids living in a hotel far away from them. So he's gone. And I wish him all the best. I, I think I think for me, it was, he definitely taught me a lesson. I think he, obviously we can go back to that podcast episode from Coventry or Cardiff when it was he taught me a lesson to to never write off a footballer after a couple of games definitely because I mean Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The technical ability of Richard Keogh was was brilliant. Like his ball playing ability. We looked at the way that yeah. Fornley was doing it the other night against Barrow and the way he can sort of feed a ball through the lines. Keogh did that so consistently. And he obviously, I think it was the Fulham game where we were talking about the fact that that perfect performance where Marv dropped, would drop off and recover and Keo would push forward and he bullied Mitrovic in that game and he was just brilliant for us and as you say obviously all of the other stuff that comes around him makes him that yeah, sort of fan figure but what a bloody player he was as well and I mean he's one of the I don't think I'll forget Richard Keogh very quickly in in, uh, in a Blackpool shirt and that kind of says it all and I mean to, for a guy to come in at that age and that experience and completely like win a whole fan base around in a season says a lot about how good of a player he was well, it's, it's like the we've been used to when players come in uh, almost for the last paycheck we've been used to a certain uh, demographic of what it looks like but the antithesis that anti is, is basically he has been probably the heart and soul of the team where you've mm. you've been used to players just coming in picking up a check and maybe like going through the motions and He's, he's just not, that's not him, is it? And um, I think he's, he's, the fact that he's had so many well wishes as he's left um, is a great testament to the impact he's had in what is a relatively short period of time at mm-hmm. the club. And I think everybody wishes them the best. They can see why he's done it. Um, and, you know, he's got another good two years in, in him and I think he'd have been a start, definitely a starter for us this season if he was fit. And, um, and, and there's a, there's a, a big uh, hole to plug from my perspective, I think, with him having gone. Okay. Um, so, yeah, good luck, Richard, for Ipswich. Uh, you leave with everyone's best wishes, unlike Neil Critchley. Right, left back. Now, this is a this is a tricky one. Jimmy's back. I'd say he offers... It's pretty hard to... It's hard to fully evaluate these new players, isn't it? We've only seen Thompson a couple of games. 
he's decent, you know, looks like a good defender, but I think Jimmy offers more in that position. And I think he's more of a, a leader and that's exactly what we need with Keogh gone. So my vote would go for Jimmy. Jimmy really surprisingly looked like he suited that advanced left yeah. role. He, 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 he played in front of CJ for, for parts of the game, which was really weird. It was like, for, for, for those of a certain vintage, it was almost like what Hills and Yashin used to do when they played together. When you used to look, McMahon used to put out that side, and you'd be like, well, which one's the left back? Mm. And which one's the winger? And they'd just swap. Um I thought Jimmy just looked like he'd never been injured. He was he didn't miss a beat. Um but as I said before, I also like Thompson, so I'm really and I'm really unsure about it this one. I thought Thompson was a little bit too erratic against Barrow. I didn't think he had the greatest game in the world, but I think he's probably the sort of player that you probably want to keep in, I think. because um, I mean obviously he's come he's not performed badly. At Stoke he wasn't great. Do you know, husband. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to pick Thompson, but I'm, I'm talking myself into husband. He was very, very good. He did surprise me as well with how energetic he was down that left hand side. And maybe, yeah, I think maybe we could play, play Thompson in CJ's role. Wouldn't do any work. <laughs> yeah, we we could play both, couldn't we? As 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 the let me to change. Yeah. This is a tough one, isn't it? This is t- well, right? Tom- Thompson is our player, isn't he? Signed, he's, he's our player. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I really like him. As it's well. good that it's tough. That's a good. That's a good thing that it's tough because it means obviously we've got good competition for us from going forward, which is what we yeah. want. Right. It's so like who, who are we voting for then? Can we need we need to? My votes. We had saw last year is Sterling and Gabriel, didn't we? Which one? So um, I think there's been I think there's been three for Jimmy, and I don't know. So it's Jimmy, isn't it? I want Thompson to be Jimmy's famous oh, fan. I'll, I'll say Jimmy just to, just to move his on. What was yeah. yours, Sean? What was your vote? Yeah, oh. husband. Husband, yeah. Okay. Right, this does need to be laid out, so you've got your CDM in there, doesn't it? Or your number six. It does, John. So, defensive midfielder in this three. Tim. One choice. Who? Yeah. Dougal. Sean. I think Dougal as well. Mitch. Callum. I'm Callum as well. I'm Connolly. How are we gonna how are we gonna uh resolve this? Who well, started there last? <laughs> First person in the comments it. to say Connolly or Dougal and he's in. Go. Connolly or Dougal. Connolly or Dougal. Can we not play them both? <laughs> Could do. I did. Say, I did say that weird experiment of playing Connolly in the one of the advanced central positions. Dougal Stephen Ward has spoken. Oh no! What's this MB? What's that? No, Neil Fraser. Can he? Can he? Who said it first? Oh, Tom, Tom said Connolly and Dougal. Well, Con- <laughs> Connolly's name comes first, therefore it's Connolly. <laughs> so please, to, to please, Leanne, let's put Connolly in. We could still pick Doodle in one of the other positions. Ah. That's what I meant. Put Do you know what's mental? There. That we've got Connolly is in the defender's list. Look. Technically a defender. Oh, he's tough. Get, get your coin out. They've rebadged him, you fool. All right. 
Ed's calling like Tails Dougal. What is it? Ed's. Ed's. Connolly, then. Yes. See you later, Dougs. <laughs> oh, shall I put him on the... Shall I put him in the actual... No, no, just put, just put him, him in, in the middle. middle. Put him in the middle, okay. in the middle yeah. I don't think the functionality works there for that. You see me and Sean both getting edgy. Put him in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> oh, no. The error checking I've built in. Right, I'll have to do it in a minute. Um, so, uh, attacking midfielder, number eight. Is that right? Carey. Cam. Yeah, I think Carey as well. I thought he's played his way into a place over Fiorini for me after uh, his performance. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Right-sided midfielder. Is that right? How's this How's this 4-3-3 even work? So what, what, Connolly needs to go in the seven. I don't think I can do that. No. Well, you bloody need to, John. Else, we need to cancel this whole show. Yeah, OCD is going to kick in. Well, I'll it? tell you what. I'll I'll do it after with after the stream. I'll work it out and I'll repost that. This is going to end up like the uh, Cameron Brannigan show. Where it's all going to unravel from here because he's oh, Cameron Connolly in the seven shirt. Yeah, but the shirt number disappears. So, who's the third midfielder then? Patino. Yeah. What role, Sean? What role in this? He'd be one of the advanced players. I mean, my like my mental shout is obviously to have this eighteen-year-old child in the six, but we're not at that stage yet, so we'll play him in the one of the advanced roles. So it'd be Carey and Patino advanced, and then Connolly sitting. Do we all agree with that? Yeah, and I I was actually quite surprised at Patino's willingness to play very deep, and that was one of the things I liked about him. So I'm. Well, I'm afraid to tell you that Appleton said he was getting annoyed they kept dropping deep. So, uh, and then he told him to get further forward second half. So, well, yeah, but I mean, against Barrow, I get that. Because, but if if we are needing to have, yeah, yeah, Mark, Carey would be lucky. Start not done much. What? Well, yeah, he hasn't done much generally. But I just thought, well, I think he probably. He, I don't know. I, I think he's quite a physical player. Got, I think he makes things happen. He looks. He, he looks to make things happen, doesn't he? It was great against Barrow. There was there was a couple of absolutely genius balls where he found one of them where he found Lavery and one of them where he found some possibly CJ and I think it was the one CJ air kick. We were as good as anything anybody played all night, and he just came on and he, he put himself about. He's feisty. Nearly got a pen he, as well. Yeah, he, he had what I think Fiorini didn't have which was that understanding that right we're playing Barrow come on get stuck in mm. he was all elbows and he, he seems to have come back like a right feisty little get mm. and I like that about him I've always liked him but he seems to have had that edge to his game that, that I'm I'm playing him yeah I agree Fier- Fiorini's not done enough to start so in the bin he goes <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't say that I think they, it's a pretty close call for me um, yeah. and I think that again it's another example of you know we've got a position there where we're debating two players that have probably got quite decent quality on the ball so uh, we'll see I guess to be fair it, for the, the reason for Fiorini to play is obviously we're playing Swansea and he's probably going to be one of the ones that'll try the odd Hollywood pass but whether they come off is another story well it doesn't really matter no, if no, it doesn't CJ, really I'm <laughs> sorry oh, Tim I was going to say <laughs> that I'm going to nick it off you <laughs> It's like you nicked my... Nicked your thunder, did I? Stole it. My background. 
Um, right up front, Sean. Explain to uh, me well, how this three nine. works up front as well in a four-three-three. Three. Well, you've got a left winger, a striker, and a right winger, right. but the two wingers invert. Right, okay. Well, they like to anyway. So CJ is um, one of them, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, it's uh, for me. It's Corbinu on the left, Bowler on the right, oh, and Jerry up top. No, no. He's, I'm he's not down gonna, with he, that. He needs to play. He needs to play. Well, well if Bowler, you're not, bowlers on the right. Let's get okay. Yeah, let's get bo- bowlers. Are, bowlers starting. That's a that's a given, isn't it? There's no doubt because it's who you're playing up front in it. Because if you want Jerry, then Jerry can't um, play on the left. Can can I float an insane theory? Uh, Which is that Shane Lavery missed that many chances on Tuesday night that he he just can't miss anymore. So <laughs> therefore, he should play up front. Because uh, I thought Lavery was unlucky. I mean, uh, he was also bad, but he was unlucky as well as bad in terms of his finishing. And the one thing that I thought Lavery had about... I was. I think he had, including the penalties, eight half decent efforts to score, or eight half decent chances to score a goal. When was the last time any of our strikers have had like more than two efforts on goal? And I think I have to credit him with the way he ran really well and the way he showed, and sort of the way that Patino and and Carey also play is. They need somebody making those runs. Uh, Mitch, Mitch, just to inter- interrupt, it doesn't help when CJ Hamilton's putting the ball behind him when he's screaming yeah, 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 yeah. for He's got into space, he's that got into the position. He's going, just put yeah. it there, put it on the six-yard box. And he's fucking pulled it back to no one. I mean, so what can you one, do? There was one point in the game where, where he missed one and their keeper actually got up and put his arm around him and, and they were laughing together because it was getting hilarious, the fact that he wasn't scoring. And I thought, I thought apart from putting the ball in the net, I thought he ran his arse off. And one thing I really like about a striker, to, you know, going back to Armand, the thing I really liked about Armand is it didn't matter how, you know, how many he missed. He still, he just turned up and had a go at the next one. And other strikers go missing. And I love Yates to bits, but Yates has a habit of playing a really nice technical game, but not actually having a shot. Mm. What about what about playing Lavery on one of the wings? No, definitely because, not. No, because he's not good enough footballer to do that. If you're going to play Lavery, play him down the middle. That, that's what I think. Well, it's, it's, I basically, Monty is his game because it, we're not going to be getting at, after them and pressing from the front. So maybe we need to. Though. Maybe we need but to. We don't want to play Swans at their own game, do we? Yeah, but if you think about what we did, the whole point of playing Swansea and the, the way we beat them the uh, the time at Bloomfield Road was that we sat off and kind of waited for triggers to then press them when they brought the ball further forward. We allowed them the initial possession so that they brought it out and then we counted at pace. And um, it, I don't know. I'm not keen on any of the strikers is my point. I think there's kind of this debate of like, should we play Yates or Medine or should we play Lavery or Yates or whatever? But for me, we just need a quality number nine that's better than all of them because none of them are particularly good enough to be a consistent starter in the championship. And we need a new striker. And obviously we've been trying to get a new striker. Failed so far. But we need a new number nine. And that's why I'm kind of like a bit passive in a debate with this because I just think we need a new player. But we well, haven't got a new player. Sean, we haven't got a new player. We haven't got a new player. We're playing the, the cards. We've got, which player of the players we've got, which of those strikers, on paper, theoretically, 
you know, based on what you've seen in the past, which of those players has the attributes to play the number nine role or the closest thing in your view? Because in mine, it's Lavery. And I find it baffling that he's played an entire preseason without playing Lavery in his position. We play Lavery in his position. No wonder the lad's out of form and missing chances. Mm. Everyone's done, oh, Lavery's shit. Well, no wonder he's that. Uh, no wonder he's shit because he hasn't played up front for about since God knows when Critch last played him up front in about April. He's been on the on the left wing, coming off the bench and going on the left wing in a position he's never played in his career. And then he plays against Barrow and he makes more chances than the rest, or he has more chances than the rest of the strikers have actually managed to make for themselves or in in their movement in 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 the whole of preseason and the games I've seen combined. So I I, I would give Lavery a go and and. This is me arguing that we don't pick Gary Medine. What? <laughs> <laughs> that that Mitch monologue has convinced me as well. Plus one for Lavery. Uh, I'm still on Yates because I think that he's probably the most intelligent striker we have in term not well on in, on the pitch. Um, and <laughs> I, I think his link up play is good, and we look a lot more fluid in a front three with Yates. I feel like. If you're, especially if you've got two advanced midfielders, especially someone like Patino, who you know has played with elite footballers to an extent, and he's trained with these sorts of players, I think Yates' movement makes a difference mm. that other strikers don't quite have. And in those moments that we've seen him flashes, plays well with. We've bowler. seen that when he gets gets a. It, it was always when Keshi was in the ten or in like an advanced central position that him and Keshi would click and it would work, and they were just on a different wavelength. And I think that Yates can do that with the two advanced. Yeah. central midfielders that perhaps none of the other strikers can. I think that's probably a bit more important. Yeah, stoke away, basically. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, Sean Yates, Tim, you've got the casting vote. Um, I'm, I actually would play Yates and Lavery in that front three. So, um, I don't know how that splits the vote, but I would, I would probably go Yates with the central role. I would do it the other way around. I would go Yates left, Lavery and I can see. I the would, to I be would. honest, I would see the fluidity of the go, of, of the mixing it up, and and um, and and, I, and despite the fact Appleton doesn't want them to do this, I want them to press like buggery from the front, all three of them. And Yates is good at that. Yeah, well, both Yates and Lavery are, and Bowler is, to be fair. So, and the three of them can interchange, and um, that that would be my front three. But um, uh, so I, I don't know how that fits in with where, who you put where, but I, I don't think it actually matters too much. I mean, as Mark said, we could always put Gaz on the left wing. <laughs> he would be great left winger, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah, you've convinced me, Tim. Tim, with that. Everyone else happy with that? Yates on the left. Medine, yeah. uh, sorry, Lover in the middle, interchanging. My poor Theo sat on the bench. What have you done to him? Didn't, he's not done enough, Sean. He has done enough. He got himself about and he looks like at some stages he doesn't quite know what's happening, but he will do eventually. I'm convinced of it. As I say, he's, by numbers, he's just a CJ upgrade. <laughs> CJ plus. So, so CJ Hamilton, he's definitely not starting then. Come on. Oh, this is a shame. Aren't we happy with that then? Yeah, we've only got the 14 more topics to talk about on this podcast, so I'm quite happy with that. And we've got to get through all of them, no matter how long it takes. I'll quickly do it. Are you enjoying your day off from Blackpool, really? <laughs> yeah, it's good, isn't it? 
Right, I've screenshotted that. I'll send it out to the, the masses, see what they think. Uh, right, next next topic we've got to talk about is Burnley ticket prices. Mitch, you uh, you give us your thoughts on this. Tell, firstly, tell the listeners, viewers, if they're not aware, what what's going on and uh, your views on it. Yeah, so it's essentially the... Uh, tickets for Burnley are, I think, 30 quid. But the, the context of that is, as um, some reporter on Lanks Live put an article out to reveal, um, the club turned down a reciprocal ticket deal, um, which is not the first time. So they turned down, I think it's a 25 quid offer that Burnley make, which is if you, if uh, we'll let you in for 25 quid if you let... Um, was in for 25 quid and obviously uh, people may also be aware that Reading had a £20 ticket offer um, that they, they were sort of going around going around the championship clubs offering 20 quid reciprocal deals and we turned that down as well so my thoughts are you know people seem to be surprised that the Burnley tickets were, were pricey um, but my thought is well if we're not going to do reciprocal ticket deals and this is inevitably what we're going to have to put up with which is pricey away games and you know generally I know there's a few people that kind of specialise in going to away games but generally speaking People who go to plenty of away games are already paying quite a lot to go to plenty of home games. So it's kind of the 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 the, the most loyal, committed, able to go, however you put it. The people are already paying the most money into the club that are getting getting the brunt of that. And it also concerns me because you know things ain't cheap at the moment. Energy caps, fuel bills you know, train prices, nothing is cheap at the moment. Everything's getting more expensive. And, you know, the the club can the club can talk about its ambitions and I understand that and I get that there's investment and I get that we've got a long history of underinvestment and I get there's a context and I get that we keep competing against people with parachute payments and so on and so forth. But ultimately Football is fucking expensive, and life's very expensive at the moment. If we're getting to a point where, you know, people are going to stop stop going to away games. Sorry, that was probably longer than it should have been, John. But I think that covers it. Oh, well, it's quite succinct for a Mitch monologue. <laughs> Tim, your can thoughts just, on this? I, yeah, I, yeah. I want to add my two pennies worth. I've got to say, I. I don't always agree with everything that Matt says, but I hundred percent endorse everything that he said there. Um, we have we, there's clearly a policy at the club that they want to maximise the away revenue from away fans coming to Blackpool. But I think, firstly, it's short-sighted because it, it presupposes that um, on an average game, the same number of people are going to come and pay thirty quid as would come and pay twenty or twenty-five pound, um, which isn't isn't automatic. Plus, you've got the secondary spend if you get more coming. And, and we should be filling that away and every single week and maximising beer sales and, and the secondary spend as much as we can, not just for the club, but also for local um, hotels and whatever. Secondly, the, the reality is, and Mitch has picked up on this, for every £5 extra we take off that off away fans, our away fans are, are having to reciprocate. So, you know, we go to Reading, we're now paying 30 quid. We go to Burnley, we're paying 30 quid. Um, now... Some a better place to, to make that additional expenditure than others. But if you're a family... It's 100 quid, is it, before you've even bought anything? 100, 120 quid even, if there's four of you going. 
And that's before you've paid for your fuel, before you've paid for yeah. your coach fares, before you've paid... 200 quid for um, a day, isn't it? 200 yeah. quid. Well, listen, now, now I, don't want, I don't want to just club bash here. There's a solution for me, and the solution is that you offer some form of uh, reward or acknowledgement for those who, who are travelling away because, listen, they, they were... They were properly, I say they, I saw quite often I was there. They were the proper 12th man last year. And if we're going to end up halving our away support because of these ridiculous policies, we need to think creatively that if we want to carry on charging what we're charging to away fans, but want to keep people engaged and keep people going at what is a very, very difficult time, once October comes and these uh, ridiculous fuel prices kick in, those who are paying mortgages and, and those costs are going to have even less money to spend. My, my creative solution, I don't know whether it's achievable, is to is to offer some form of voucher to every away fan who goes away that's redeemable at home game. So they can buy a pint or two if it stretches to that. They can go put it against a shirt. They can go put it against anything in the club shop. They can buy a pie, couple of pies with it, whatever it is. But we need to think about something creatively because – I tell you what, we're going to absolutely crucify our way support. A lot of them are young lads. If we're, if they're getting knocked thirty quid every time they go away, and that and that is the net result of this policy, and it stinks, and we need to sort it out. I, I think I just wanted to point out the uh, Gary Ford's comment about the fact that Blackpool's kids' prices are cheaper for the for the um, for the away spots. Essentially, what he's meaning there is that Burnley don't have an under 13s category for their tickets. Um, and we do, and ours are about nothing. They were £9 for the games recently, but I think Burnley is a category above, so it's a slight price increase. So I think it got about £9, £10, essentially, for the under-13s category, and Burnley don't have that. So anyone that's under under 13 is still paying the under-18 ticket price, which I think was about 18 quid from, from Burnley. But what the point of that is, is that if we'd have accepted the offer, it would have been £10 for under-18s from Burnley, so that would have cancelled that out anyway, and it would have been the same price for the under-13s tickets at Blackpool. So that that point, I get the point he's making, but if the offer had been accepted, then it would have cancelled itself out anyway. I know Tim said he doesn't want a club bash, and I think he's come up with a very creative solution. Um, but ultimately, that solution doesn't actually reduce the cost. It just makes the value better. And cost and value aren't the same. So if, you know, it, it makes it worthwhile going, but if you can't afford the initial outlay, then it doesn't solve your problem, if that makes sense. I think it's a very creative solution. And and I suppose I am going to now, I'll, I'll, I'll hypothetically club bash a little bit in the sense that you could, it could be cynically read that the club's policy is, you know, Blackpool is one of the lowest income areas in the country. I'm not black bashing Blackpool. It's a town I love greatly. And it's a town and in my work and life, I've invested a great deal of time into trying to, you know, care for and, and, and so on. However, the fact is, it's a very low-income area. So if we say, no, nah, we, we, we're not going to take this reciprocal pricing offer from, say, QPR or Reading or whoever it is, you know, because we want to charge their away fans, in a way, it, it it's hitting our fans more than it is hitting the fans of, you know, leafy suburban clubs in the South because there is more money in those places. And Time for a quick break in proceedings to say if you're enjoying this content and want to say thanks for the pods, please consider joining our Patreon support program. Starting from the price of a pint per month, Patreon allows you to contribute towards our production costs, gear upgrades and our drinks tab at the dog. 
Your support will ultimately make the show bigger, better, and I like eating a tin of prunes more regular. You'll also get extra stuff in return, like all the podcasts before general release, backstage access to us and our guests, exclusive Patreon-only shows, and other random bits and pieces. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod to find out more and hopefully sign up. And that's not a criticism of Blackpool, that's a historic fact. And, and it's true. And it appears, it could appear as if the board don't really, you know, shrug. This is our policy, you know. And, and, and I get the context. And I'm, to a certain extent, I'm trying to sort of not be reasonable on purpose to, to, to be provocative. But, but that, that's kind of what it looks like to me. Is it because not Blackpool I, people making the decisions, maybe? I don't know, because it doesn't... If you live here, you know what it's like. You know, I, listen, I, 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 might, I might do the job I do, but I bloody work on Lytham Road every single day of the week, and mm. I see the deprivation all around me. And you can't you can't wave a magic wand, but what you can do is make sure that we are affordable and... and we're accessible. You know, accessible. I, I, and, and all we're yeah. doing, we're all we're doing... If, 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 Listen, and I don't know whether anyone's listening, but if this, if the board or anybody for the board listening, this policy is wrong and it needs to be changed because you are you are directly hitting Blackpool fans in the pocket, um, and you don't think you are, but you are, and and if you don't sort it out, we're going to have pitiful away tendencies, and you're going to lose the vibe that we had and we have had for the last two seasons, and. Um, because uh, those young lads will have only got so much money to put in the pockets. I say young lads because they're the ones who tend to go away and, and tend to help get that atmosphere going. And you know, uh, 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 you, you can't have 16, 70 year old lads paying the prices that we're now being quoted because of this um, short sighted and and, um, uh, and and to be honest, it's a policy that lacks integrity for me. Just for the sake of, I guess, people that aren't fully aware of what the club's sort of response was i'll i'll give it a like a, a summary i guess is that they were saying that they'll always look for opportunities to help supporters with costs where they can they said that the coaching price is 15 pound coached price for the trip to, to burnley and the 20 pound cost for the trip to stoke was sort of examples of this i think by all accounts the stoke one was probably going to be a, a fair bit more but they they kind of subsidized it um Blackpool aren't able to benefit from parachute payments, Premier League subsidies, and as, as as such, have to run the club in a way that works best for us in order to be able to compete with bigger clubs within the division and that the owner continues to fund large-scale capital projects in the background that will enable the club to have a firm foot in for decades to come. So that was what they essentially said in, in response to... Well, I would uh, say that, how many... How say. many it, Stoke, as an example, how many from Stoke went on the club coaches? Five percent, ten percent, maybe a push. I'd say probably five is about fair. So ninety-five percent of those who attended Stoke. I know Stoke doesn't fall into the category of the games we're talking about, but ninety-five percent of those who attended Stoke wouldn't benefit from uh, the subsidisation of of coaches by the club. And I don't think the club would put that on that many coaches that would allow everybody that was travelling to go on them. I doubt it. So there, for me, if we're, if they don't want to change this policy, and I would suggest that's the starting point. If you don't want to change the policy, they've got to think creatively as to how they can compensate everybody who goes to away games. Because if we're down in London, people, you know, listen, we've got a very healthy London support. Um, they're not going to get a coach from Blackpool. Um, there's plenty of 
You know, I don't, Mitch, how many times you've yeah, got I a coach? I, I, <laughs> I know, so you're not going to drive to Blackpool to get a coach to save no. five quid, are you? No. Uh, I'm not going to go on a Blackpool coach just because if I go, I'll go on the one from Poulton or I'll drive. And um, uh, so, listen, and it's not about me. It's about having that 1,500, 2,000, uh, most of the away games that we want to see that create the atmosphere that help make the day um, that fill that concourse, have a bit of a laugh before the game. It's about the whole picture of an away game. And and if we're pricing people out, we're going to be the losers, not 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 um, the fact that we think we're, char- we're being clever charging an extra five quid to away fans. And I, I think, to be fair to the club statement, I think, you know, I do understand that this is somebody who's putting a lot of money in, who's building a training ground, who's we're going to build an East Stand and all of that. But, but, but what is the heart of football is exactly what you just said turning up that bit where you go through the you go through the turnstiles and you get in that concourse and there's hundreds and thousands of big games there and people come from all over they come from there's there's a bunch of right likely lads there there's someone's grand there there's some you know oddballs with flasks in the corner talking to each other there's middle-aged blokes there's families there's it's a community of people and that accessibility if 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 the capital outlay means that we're not accessible to the community, that does not chime with what the values that were cited when we started. And 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 I think I think it's I agree entirely with what you said before. I feel like it's a misjudged policy. And just to answer David's question, David, we are three games into this. Are we three games in? Third game of the season. We've had two reciprocal offers already. And we've turned them both down. And the context of that Reading offer was they offered they offered twenty quid, and I think five or six clubs took it, which suggests that there was potentially further potential for more reciprocal offers. Because why would those clubs accept an offer with Reading and then not with us? If that Red, made Reading sense? weren't it's Reading, Reading aren't recipients of uh, payments. parachute payments yeah. either. Yeah, I was just no. going to say. That. I mean, I mean, let, let's let's be fair because I've just I've just I've just you know, been quite strident. Let's be fair, Reading are also one of the absolute basket case financial yeah, they're on clubs their spend way over, you know, they're, 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 you know, Reading are not a model of, of financial probity. And I'm sure if Mr Sadler was on here, he'd say, shut up, you funny bald man. You don't know what you're talking about. You want us to be Reading and he'd have a fair point, you know, and I acknowledge that fully. But at the same time, I value the fact that Blackpool is what it is so much, and I think we all do. And I think when you when you you know I I, I have a relatively comfortable lifestyle. I ain't rich, but I'm you know I, I don't I don't think shit. Kind of put the heating on, you know. I, I, I'm okay, and I'm looking at my outgoings, thinking, mm, can I really justify driving all the way to Birmingham? You know, can I really? Can I really, you know, is it? Can I really go all the way to the northeast at the weekend because because I've got a family and there's there's expenses and outgoings and and you know I, I can't football can't be this selfish thing that I spend all my money on because there's other people who who I've got it and if I'm thinking that with with my position of relative comfort then there's a hell of a lot of people who will not be going to away games next year and as somebody that... pointed out in the chat that's going to work for away fans as well. I think that's the point where we are unique compared to 
the vast majority of the teams in this country, I think personally, in terms of the situation and the makeup of the town. And, and I think that probably isn't taken into, into account as much as, as everything else. And as Mitch says, as much as obviously we've got large scale capital projects and, and such, such of the like, if that, if doing that compromises on the entirety of what we're doing here and what we're about, then I mean, is it worth it? <laughs> what are you going to tell the, the fan down the street that perhaps can't afford to pay for a ticket anymore? That the players have got a nice training ground, well, it's, and it's a training it's ground, a and it's a training ground that none of the community can use as well. Well, we'll yeah, have well, a really shiny training ground, so we can so we can train up the next Rob Actor and not play. <laughs> 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 no, I'm getting silly. You know, I'm getting daft. I, I, I you know, it, it is that that long term thing is. It is important, but I think Sean put it very succinctly and beautifully then in terms of there's a balance between access and the off-pitch ambition. I suppose also when when you're earning 300 grand a year, you're kind of a bit disconnected from what's happening on the ground, you know, in people's salaries and the price of fuel, etc., Bit like kind of like Boris Johnson's doesn't know the price of a loaf of bread, does he? I don't. I, I think. I think. But I think it's for me. It might be more that there's not a, quite an understanding of the demographic of our town, um, and uh, you know, it's not all about how much you earn. It's about uh, knowing knowing the area, and the area is you know. Well, listen, it's well documented that we've got some of the. Never mind some quite a few of the poorest wards in the whole of the country, and it, and we've got people within those wards who who find by hook or by crook the money to attend away games, and we're slapping another five or tenner on their costs every game. Um, then, as, as 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 Matt very eloquently put it, it ain't gonna happen. Um, so uh, I just I just think it's just wrong. And and it's pretty obvious it's wrong. Uh, we think we're we think we're taking advantage of away fans and charging top dollar, but we're not. We're actually um, slapping our own fans in the pocket. Well, you've, I, I, I guess I guess Tim, it. you've also got to think about the fact that we're stiffing away fans. I mean, we we try and I don't know. There's a bit of a disconnect between mm. fucking them over as well, really, isn't it? You know, yeah. they're they're well, no, they're all struggling like the rest given, of us, aren't that's they? What we're doing, we're charging top dollar because I think that I as I understand the policy is Blackpool's one of the first games that away teams look for on the on, on, when the fixtures come out, and they're not going to be bothered whether they pay twenty five quid or thirty quid. They're going to come anyway. Um, now that's my understanding. I, I understand that's the rationale, or uh, I suspect. If I don't understand it, I suspect it's a heavy, it's heavily featured in the rationale, but it completely ignores the impact on our fans. I do also have empathy for the way fans as well, and I do. I also think that that very simplistic approach ignores price elasticity, which is, in simple terms, if you price people out, less people come. So if you've got fifteen hundred paying thirty quid or two thousand paying um, uh, twenty five quid, you get the same amount of money through the tur- if I'm masses right, you can roughly get the same amount of money through the turnstiles, but you also get the secondary spend as well of them buying beers, food, and all the other you know program whatever else they might buy. So you actually do better by having the two thousand there than the fifteen hundred there or whatever my figures were. 
So it's, it, you can't just say we're getting an extra fiver because you're not getting an extra fiver. You get an extra fiver, less the ones that don't come, less the secondary spend from the ones that don't come. Because I know when we've had leads before, we've said, not going there. That was a joke. There, 38 prices. quid, wasn't it? 38 yeah, quid. But whatever, but it, it's all relative. So at whatever price point you've got, clubs, some people say, I'm not going there because it's 30 quid. Where they might have come if it was 25 quid. So you are losing. If, if, you, if you lower your price point, there'll be people who will come who wouldn't otherwise have come. So it's always netting off against the five pound that you're losing. It's always netting off against that. So the differential's never five five pound times the number of people there. It don't work like that. Unless it's a premium game like Preston or, um, and, and maybe arguably Burnley where we've got where we're maxing out on the away fans but you've still got to think about the impact on your fans and we're going to get we're getting clobbered on a week on Saturday because we're adopting this policy that we're going to max out on the away fan support so every one of us is paid a five or more so there's 2,000 going um, so there's £10,000 more being spent by Blackpool fans than needs to be spent it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money when you tot it up mm. over the season. So that's one game. Mm. So you top that up times 10, times 15, however many, however many games we could have had a reciprocal arrangement. And it, and for every fan who goes, then it starts to tot up. Right, let's move on then. I think we've all had our say. Very, very well said, gents. I heartily agree with everything you've said. Right, what are we on now? Hour and 40. It's the longest pod ever. They might be breaking a record here. So... Let's um, let's talk about the final piece of news that's come out today, which really annoyed me when I read this. Made light of it there, saying pyrotechnics. No, you can't. <laughs> but the news has broke today that the club has banned the lad who held up a smoke device in his hand uh, at the which game was it again? It was the Reading Reading game. game. Um, didn't throw it, didn't chuck it on the pitch, just held it up and it went out. And um, they've banned him for three years. So this is all a directive that's come from the the EFL and the FA. So the EFL and the FA are going hard on a lad holding a, a, a smoke device in his hand, uh, banning him for three years, but they're not going hard against convicted rapists that rape clubs also. Or, or Scottish brethren who hold flares up at a game and create a paratonic display. I, I, I was gobsmacked when I read this. I just think it's an I think it's well, an absolute I think it's, it's an absolute it's, disgrace. Banning I think a, I've said it I've said in the chat I actually saw the incident play out. So the guy was in B block and uh, just in, in between B and C. Um we scored is when we scored against Reading and uh it was a bit bizarre because he was there. He didn't. He didn't try and cover his face. He didn't try and hide. He was sat in his own seat. He just lit this flare, lit this flare, and just held it. And I thought, no, it wasn't a flare, Tim. It was a smoke bomb. It was oh, a smoke, smoke yeah, bomb, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but he, he, whatever he was, he held it and he didn't let go of it. I think he did towards the end, but he didn't throw it. He didn't do anything with it. He sat there with a big cheesy grin on his face. And I thought, you've been a bit stupid here, mate, because you're going to get done for that. Even if they, even if they don't come for you straight away, they're going to come for you. So he was. Listen, beyond doubt, he's stupid. Beyond doubt, he needs dealing with. Beyond doubt, we need to stop this. Um, you know, we've seen with um, uh, with Speedy, Mark, Paul Markham, you know, got his hand blown off. I think we talked about this in another pod. 
it needs to be stopped. But, and there's a big book coming with this, there's, I think there's ways of dealing with it. Yes, they're, they're coming down hard. And me and Mitch have both been trawling the internet uh, two hours before this pod to see whether we could find any justification for the three-year ban. Now, about four years ago, the directive was it should be a minimum three-year ban. But there's been another directive since that didn't say that. And this directive doesn't say that. And I just think... That's just a directive, though, Tim, a directive. It's not an order. It's not not compulsory. The Guardian Guardian on the latest directive that was issued in July, and the distinction as to why the Rangers fans weren't um, pulled on it was because it wasn't governed by the EFL, (laughs) is is that um, uh, that, ba- that compulsory bans. It doesn't mention three years. So yet we've banned this lad who, you know, he's a bit soft for doing it. Um, but to ban a lad for three years for watching football because of that, and he could, he could, he may face prosecution anyway and get a, a get a ban from the magistrates that overrides the discussion we're having anyway. But the reality of the situation is what he did does not justify the, pun- the punishment that he's, he's now facing in my opinion, as somebody actually saw it play out. Um, and, you know, whether the club could consider reducing it, um, whether because I think the directive suggests that if somebody shows contrition, they can reduce it down. But most certainly, there's nothing in the current directive that I could find that says it needs to be three years. And I use the analogy, it's like a bit like when the EU directives came out. The UK seems to be all over it, um, imposing a whole series of stuff that, implementing the directive to the letter. And this looks like we were showing the zeal that the UK government seemed to show for EU directives that the rest of the EU just bloody ignored. So we seem to, we seem to, for me, we just seem to be, we're overzealous, we're overzealous I think is the, what I would suggest. And I think right. he's a young lad. He was, he was probably 20, I guess he's 23, 24. He should know better, but do we really need to ban him for three years? That's what I'm really saying. I also think there's a sort of moral, um, what's the word, double standard to some extent in football in that, yeah, of course, you know, as you said before, um, there was, you know, we've had a horrible incident outside our club and nobody wants people being injured um, but th- there are there are sort of you know there's there's this debate about there being different types of devices and flares and smoke. Did, didn't bombs. that bloke pick up a lit flare that was off the ground? Yeah, yeah, though? yeah, 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 yeah. And and there's two things that that strike me is one in some countries pyrotechnic displays uh, are almost kind of part of the football culture and 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 you know it's almost like the drugs legalization argument mm. is that whilst you make it this naughty naughty thing that you mustn't do and you'll get your hands chopped up if you do if you do it and you know 3 years in 3 years in 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 naughty football prison then that almost makes it more attractive and it makes it you know it's something where like with flags and stuff, you know, there's, if, if, if there was an area of the, I'm probably, you know, there's an area of the ground where you could have a pyrotechnic display and it was all, it was licensed and you could certain things in some ways it would almost lose its appeal to people because it's like this symbol of, of sort of rebellion in the same way that, you know, 
if drugs were legalised, then it, they would probably be less dangerous. The second thing is what really, really irks me, and this really irks me, is when you get people from the AFL morally lecturing you about, oh, well, you see, people have to understand how dangerous these things are, and yet football is plastered with adverts for gambling. That You know, every club you go to basically is an invite to get pissed, and as somebody who has lost a relative to suicide from being alcoholism and gambling, you know, it's people literally die from that shit. And I know flares are dangerous, but there's this there's this moral lecturing superior sort of virtue signaling, I think it's called. It. Virtue signaling it's called, yeah. Yeah, well it's 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 I feel like if there was money in pyrotechnic displays, then suddenly you know football would be doing it all the time. That's that's how cynical I feel about about the people who govern the game. Pyro, they're, they're pyrotech- they- pyro- pyrotechnic display sponsored by. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're cowards, if they could monetize they- it, they would. Yeah, exactly. They're cowards. They pick on young lads yeah. who have done something stupid, and they do that to, to try and signpost that they're that they're governing the game. Governing the game is not criminalising young lads who go to the football. Governing the game is sorting this shit show out that means we've got this deeply uncompetitive football that's played for the benefit of TV channels and a global audience, and that the, the actual people who go to games in, in about... 88 clubs in this country have got fuck all chance of winning any, anything and, and if they if they wanted to actually govern the game they could start by governing the game instead of just criminalising young kids I think I've made my point on that one. And, and very eloquently as well I have to say and I also would add that the same lad no doubt watched the fantastic pyro display put on by the Rangers fans um, yeah. two games earlier and there yeah. there was a complete soft approach taken towards it Nobody was arrested, nobody was carted off, and it looked quite good. Now, whether you think it's the right, whether it was, the, whether it was safe, whether it was right, it's another matter, but he's a young, impressionable lad. He's, I don't know what, what his motivation was, but he's probably seen that and thought, oh, I'm going to do that. And, and he's done it, and he's an idiot, and he's going to get done for it. And he's, and, but it, he should have been brought into the club, he should have been hold over the coals, they maybe should have said like you know you can help you can help clean bird shit up for the next four four weekends and you do that and don't do it again and 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 but if you do it again you won't you're in for the high jump and that, yeah. that would, that this, would have, that's that how would have I'd have dealt. This is the thing. There's no um, there's no education about these things, so there should be that initial step. Is you've just got an education program of how to to you know, but because we're so anti-pyro and and we've got no we can't do you can't be seen to be educating people how to correctly use these things or to do things properly or why they shouldn't be using them at all because we we, we just this is the latest thing isn't it it's like Mm. the the kid pitch invasions that for some reason keep happening that's that was the thing and now this will be the thing at the moment and then for a few weeks there'll just be like a camera in the stands at sky every time there's a flare or a or a smoke bomb going off in the stand, and they'll be pointing, the commentators will be tut-tutting it, and then three, four or five months down the line, they'll be commentating on a European game, and then telling us how much such an amazing spectacle it is. Oh. It's just the thing at the moment, and they, they pick a thing to focus on, as Mitch says, to avoid the actual fundamental issues that are wrong with football at the moment, because it's a lot easier thing to do, and it allows them to just get away with things. If that's taking the attention of the media at the moment, 
then it takes it away from the all these ultimately other things that are apparently wrong with football that are actually the fundamental issues that we should be addressing. Without going on a complete tangent, you know, the sponsors have been waved through for Premier League clubs that are literally front companies for for extremely dark um sort of Eastern gambling syndicates with links that you don't even want to, you know, you don't even want to think about. But that's fine. You know, God forbid a lad holds up a smoke bomb. The Saudis didn't even Newcastle. know who their owner was until about yeah. six weeks ago. They, some guy on Twitter had finally tracked down who the actual person was because it was a front for something else. So, as you say, that... We know what they're like. We know what they are. They're never going to change. Um, and this is just the latest fad thing that they're going to be targeting for For what purpose. I just think it's a purpose to get rid of fans in grounds that are probably the most vocal ones or the ones that are, you know, it's always, it's not going to be um, the middle class suit that's going to be getting banned from the ground anyway, is it? Um, and I just feel like it's, it's always going to be that way. They're going to try and, it's going to just become more corporate as we go along, isn't it? The game and the fundamental values that we want. Are, I mean, look at the last three topics we've just addressed. That, that kind of says it all. Mm. The monetization of the game, I think it's called, isn't it? Yeah. What, what nice people lapping up those interfacing marketing boards that, that, that rotate while you're watching the game so that you can take the message. And, 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 and I'm not blaming our club for that. I'm not blaming um, our club for that. Tom's question before about do we actually know if the club gave the three-year ban, I think most, both me and Tim look, and I'd probably defer to Tim in terms of the, the word ability to read the wording, but I could not work out from reading the, the different statements whether the three-year ban was a, was a, an edict or, or whether... Whether whether it's not, I don't think it would be fair to comment on on what the club. The, the only reference we could find was back in 2017, wasn't it? Yeah. When an edict issued then said that three years should be the default, with the opportunity to reduce it if if contrition was shown. Yeah, uh, and I couldn't to... work out. I couldn't work out if the new sort of thing was like a strengthening and re a reiteration of the 2017 proposal or whether it was a completely separate proposal. Um, and I've got to say that we've got, you know, Tim's a solicitor and I have a, 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 a passable education. Um, and if, if, if the two of us have read the, the what the EFL, FA and I think the FSA had actually put the name on it as well, have put out, and we can't work out what the punishment is and the standard punishment is, then, you know... What what chances a lad just going along to the football possibly in ignorance of the consequences got of of, of what the of what the circumstances and what the the punishment is? You know we can't actually work out what the rules are and what's expected of clubs and and what the consequences of certain actions are. So it's just well that's a, that's the thing as well, isn't it? He's if he goes to the Rangers friendly, watches that happen across from him, and then two weeks later goes, oh, we should try that. But now, yeah, it's exactly, not, of course, now, yeah. it's not, now it's not okay. So it's just, I don't care when the ruling came in. It's ridiculous that that is the, the case. And I, and I still reiterate that the stewarding of the North Stand would have been completely different if we'd have done what Rangers fans did compared to what they did. There, so. there was, oh, 100%, yeah. 100%. There was absolutely no... I mean, we, we know what it's like. There was no attempt at all from the, the stewards to stop Rangers from doing it. I'm, I'm, not that I wanted them to do, stop doing it. I thought it was brilliant what they did. But there was no attempt whatsoever from the stewards to stop the Rangers fans doing what they do. And as soon as Blackpool fans do it, they're on some like a flash, aren't they? 
And um, and if you look at Phil Hornby's comment, will away fans be punished? Or will they just get away with it? I think, Phil, they will just get away with it because they just seem to be targeting the home fans. Well, when the police are stood in the the East Stand um, reception area, halfway house bit, um, and their camera is pointed directly at the North Stand rather than at the away fans directly behind them, I think we kind of know where priorities lie Mm. um, from authorities at at Bloomfield Road. And on a, yeah, so I think I used to have the, um, how wrong is that, sound effects. That was going to play to come into this, but I've always got this one. Big fat boo. Big fat boo. Big fat boo. <laughs> right. Anyone else got anything else to say before we go? This has got to be a record, nearly two hours. We've covered everything. It's, it's good It's good to have a rant every now and again, though, isn't it? Don't you think? <laughs> A rant a day keeps the doctor away. Right, I think we're oh, going to call. Well, should we, should we, no, no, no. Go on. no. Should we do a? Should we do a quick uh, QPR introducing safe standing at, at their ground for our game on Tuesday night? Um, so that go, uh, go, go on, go on, Sean. Elaborate. Obviously, well, obviously, we. I don't think we're in favour of it um, by all accounts. So obviously, it seems like a no-brainer that it should be introduced into to Bloomfield Road. Massively for my, I've been championing this since 2013. Albeit then it couldn't happen, it can happen now. Um, I, I know BST have raised the issue with the club because um, obviously when the East Stands built, my, I so I think it should be in the north, and and they'd have to, but you could use the seats from the north in the east so that you don't lose them. Um, cost less than 100 quid a seat to achieve. I think it could be a fan-led initiative. Um, to try and get this, make this happen, it could be sponsored because um, uh, you can put sponsors' names on the back back of the seats. There's all sorts of things you can do. Club needs to sit down with John Darsh, who's like the doyen of these things, and um, and uh, he's been at it for donkey's years. He's the guy who sat under the Sam Tai car park with his little mock up of one in, in 2013, and he's now you know he's been campaigning ever since. So. Um, it, it, why wouldn't we want it? Why would we want? We've touched on it in other pods, haven't we? But yeah, we you know, now it's all seen rolled being rolled out. We should be, in my view, looking to do something sooner rather than later uh, to make sure that we retain the atmosphere that we need to make the most of what we've got with the with the greatest sum of our parts and the fans are part of that. And, and we're going to need um, the we're going to need the atmosphere if uh, we can't have smoke bombs or pyros. If you're going to get a three year bomb, <laughs> we certainly are, aren't we? Right, gents, I think we'll we'll call it there, shall we? Um, nearly two hours. Great conversation, though. I thoroughly enjoyed that, so well done, everybody. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. Um, hit the notification bell, and you will get notified when brilliant shows like this uh, get pushed out to YouTube. Um, apologies about Facebook this evening. There's a, been a bit of a cock-up with that, but we'll hopefully remedy that uh, will be coming on a match reaction show after the Swansea nil-nil draw, possibly on Sunday or Monday, but we'll be in touch. So as we said, is thanks for watching, thanks for downloading, and up the pool. Up the pool. Up the pool. So just before you head off, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon 
supporter programme that we are running. This enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content. So if you head over to patreon.com forward slash seasiderspod, you'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month, price of a pint, and for that you get a few other bits in return, which is access to our private members' WhatsApp group. You'll get some exclusive podcasts, competitions, so we generally run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in and we are going to be running an extra time podcast which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons so if you want to sign up patreon.com forward slash seasiders pod it'd be great to have you on board thanks for listening Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.